Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. I'm Antonio, and Tom isn't here today. Tom is in the process of moving, so I asked my friend and fellow podcaster and mentor in podcasting, Victor Kahiao, to be a guest host and guest guest with us. And uh, hey, Victor, how are you doing? I'm doing great, especially since you're one of my mentors in photography. So that, <laughs> that works out pretty well. I th- I think my first experience with podcasting was with you on the uh, typical Shutterbug. Yeah, I've popped many a cherries when it comes to podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we're f- family friends. Family friends. All right. No. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no, I was, um, gosh, I was looking at some recording. Oh my God. I think I did a review for you. You did. Uh, you like Lightroom 4 or something? Probably. Yes. Yeah. That sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. A while back. And I think I mailed that to you or something like that. And I don't know if I was on the show before or after that, but Victor, well, you, you were on several times after. Yes. I remember. And I was with, with, uh, with Frederick Van Johnson. I think we were both on your show together. Was that possible? I think that might might have happened. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Victor Victor is the, I would say, the person responsible for getting me excited about podcasting. So thanks, Victor, for filling in for Tom today. You're welcome. My pleasure. Yeah. So I've been meaning to talk to you in general about this. And uh, because I've got the keys to the car, meaning that it's my podcast today. <laughs> Tom's not here. I get to do what I want, all right? Nice. Kind of, yeah. So I wanted to talk about the Fuji cameras. And I've been mentioning this on previous episodes, and I, you know, probably tell them blue in the face about how I have this Fuji, the the Fuji X cameras. And I know you've got a couple of Fuji cameras. So I thought maybe we could talk about, I don't know, not so much the the gear itself, the hardware, although I would like to bring that in but just sure. about what it's doing to our photography. Happy to do that. Yeah. I, a couple of years ago, I ended up buying the, the Fuji X20 because I wanted a small camera to carry around with me that was of decent quality because I was sort of running out of ideas, photography ideas with my iPhone. I wanted to get something a little bit better for doing street photography, so I picked that camera up, and I fell in love with it uh, mm-hmm. immediately. And... Fast forward a year, and then the X100T comes out, which is a little more expensive and a bigger camera, but essentially, you know, I hate to say it's a point-and-shoot camera, but, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, it is a point-and-shoot carry-around camera. And it has shifted my whole outlook, recent outlook about photography. It's made me feel... I don't know. The way I experienced it was like when I first started photography when I was a kid. Not exactly that way, but in that department. And I know you've got, what, you have the X100T? Yes, and the uh, X-T10. And what have, let's, you know, people have heard enough about me. Let's let's talk about your experiences with, with this stuff. What Why did you get those cameras? Well, you and uh, Marco LaRousse, were both big influencers to me to switch over to to Fuji. Um, Like you, I've had a case of gas gear acquisition syndrome for a long time. And I'll admit to that. 
Uh, I used to do a podcast on photography. I had the opportunity to try out a lot of gear. I had a job where I could buy a lot of gear, and I did that. I went from a big Nikon system and then made the switch. I think in 2011, I bought a Leica M9. And, uh, <laughs> yep, and I bought three um, used 1960s, 70s primes that I used with a Leica. And I enjoyed that a lot. It was great to get away from hauling a ton of gear. I was getting more into street photography, quote unquote, uh, back then and trying to shoot differently. And so the Leica certainly fulfilled that role for a while. Um, I had to make a financial decision to sell the Leica because of other things that life just got in the way. And so the Leica body got sold. And um, at that point, I was kind of without camera for a while. But I was also away from the internet and social media and all of that for about two years. Again, just life was happening mm-hmm. in other areas. Yeah. So when I got back to social media and so on, I started seeing what you were doing with the X100T. I Marco was a listener to my show and I was already following him. And so I was tuned into that. And I thought, well, you know, I'm certainly not a trendsetter. I'm a trend follower when it comes to that kind of thing from people like you and Marco mm-hmm. who I respect. So I thought, I'm going to try this out. And so I picked up the X100T. And like you, I found this kind of freedom from having one camera that I could do as manual as I wanted or as automatic as I wanted and try to explore things that way. And I did that for a little while uh, and started missing having some prime lenses and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I had a cool opportunity to sell the three pieces of Leica glass I had. Mm. And with that money, I was able to buy everything that I have for the (laughs) X-T10. Just with the sale of those three used lenses, right? right? Nice. So it was a pretty sweet setup, right? Yeah. I got, you know, the, that XT10. I got a couple of really nice primes, the 16 millimeter, uh, I think it's the F18, and the 56 millimeter F12. And it, the kit lens that came with it was great. And I'm set. I, I'm, I'm in a really good place to now forget about equipment and get creative, right? Yeah. So let, let's go backwards for a second. What I mean, because I think this is relative to what we're going to talk about. But um, what drew you to, to the Leicas? What what made you like? What was the real draw to get rid of Nikon? Was it really just about the amount of stuff you're carrying, or do you, you wanted to simplify? Yep. I because to the simplify. the Fuji stuff is kind of similar to the Leica, at least in terms of the the draw. At least in my opinion, it was. A simplification of photography for me. Exactly. And and that was really the key for me. Uh, I had been intrigued by street documentary photography when I bought the Leica. I went and did a lot of shooting in that format at that time and really enjoyed it. I mean, the Leica absolutely was a beautiful camera and it made beautiful pictures. There was no doubt about that. Uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but when I was not able to have it anymore for financial reasons, you know, I found that the Fuji's for me were giving me that same experience. It was actually a lighter camera if you mm-hmm. take it there. Yeah, those, those Leicas are like a tank. Yeah, they are like a tank. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was getting images that at my level were as good as I felt the Leica was doing, especially in the black and white street arena where I was getting more into – Again, following your lead and other street photographers' lead. And, and I was getting a lot of use out of it and, and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I was tired of hauling around 
you know, big uh, 70 to 200 lenses and huge bags and all of that stuff got gone. It got sold. It's, it's out of my life. And um, there are times where I miss it. The other day I was doing some shooting of the lunar eclipse mm. and I certainly missed that gear then. Well, we can talk about that later if you want. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, but overall... I'm so much happier. I'm taking a trip tomorrow to North Dakota. I have everything I need in the size of a little fishing bag now. <laughs> it's, great. it's great. Gone fishing. <laughs> I'm kind of going fishing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is that, uh, yeah, tomorrow is the Scott Kelby Worldwide Photo Walk. And I'm leading a group in Red Hook, Brooklyn, which is the waterfront area in Brooklyn. Nice. And I only plan to bring my Fuji camera. The one camera. I'm not even bringing my X20. I'm just bringing the the X100T. A couple of reasons for that is that I'm leading the walk, and so I don't want to be burdened by a lot of stuff. And I'm not, I'm not really there to take pictures, although I will. You know, I'm there to lead the walk. But I am confident enough with one camera that I will get what I want when I want. So I don't have to bring all this gear with me. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of photographers there who will bring a lot of gear, although we, we have kind of lousy weather today. And it might last until tomorrow a little bit. So I don't know how many photographers are coming. I don't know how much gear they're going to bring in general. But if it was a nice day, I mean, a couple of years ago, I I ran the walk. And, you know, people come with tons of gear and tripods and stuff like that. And, you know, that's fine. It's just not what I want to do anymore. But in prepping for talking to you, I just went through some of my pocket articles that i store i'm a, I'm a digital hoarder and i hoard tons of articles about fuji <laughs> mm-hmm. and i was just reading some of the opinion pieces about from people and it sort of started with zach arias or or mm-hmm. arias however you say his last name when he did a review of the well he got the x100 when it first came out so that was that's fuji's you know sort of first version of this camera a few years ago and then they came out with the X100S, which had a few upgrades. And then they have the T, which is the one we have now. But he wrote some article way back when. And the gist of it was about how the camera felt. And not feeling in his hands, although that was certainly part of the article. But the whole feeling of taking pictures with this kind of camera. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the articles I've been reading, you know, that are kind of reviewy about it. But people are saying kind of the same thing. Like, they are... Enjoying how these cameras, this Fuji series of cameras, is making them feel. And specifically the X100T. I mean, we both have those cameras. And a lot of yes. these guys, I, I hoarded the articles from uh, the X100T things. But I think it, it relates to some of the other Fuji cameras. Is that there's something about the way those cameras are producing pictures that make these people feel good about being a photographer again. I have to agree. I do too. I, I really like the fact that what I didn't lose with the X100T was the ability to have an optical finder as well as a you know digital finder. Uh, I had both options, and, and I liked that about the Leica, and that wasn't taken away. Mm-hmm. I like the limitation of having one lens and you know using my feet to zoom or whatever <laughs> I need to do. Zoom with your feet, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of thing makes me approach a picture differently. And when I came back into the social space and started shooting more and I wanted to have a different perspective than I had had before. Uh And I I still do. One of the things that I'm striving for, and it's just a work in progress for me, is to slow down when I'm taking pictures 
in order to really think compositionally, in order to really not just be snap shooting, mm -hmm. but and not take a hundred shots of the same person walking by the same spot if I'm shooting street, but to really think more before I even put the camera to my eye. That's a struggle for a guy like me. I'm not a professional like you or like Marco. That's not what I do for a living. I, I am your typical guy that may be listening to this podcast. And that's a challenge for me. So I, I'm always looking for advice as to, you know, how to overcome that. And I listened to your show and several others to get that kind of advice that gets us away from gear and more into um, more about the picture process. I think I know composition. I think I know exposure. But it goes beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. It goes about telling a story. Yeah. That's the part that I'm trying to, the muscle I'm trying to build. So you didn't go to school for photography, right? No. No. So when, when you were saying slow down, I was, I was sort of reminiscing about, well, when I went to school for photography way long time ago, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, don't ha I didn't have a choice but to be slow. You know, we had a, you know, I had a Pentax camera and I had a 50 millimeter lens and I had to crank, you know, it cost me money to put film in the camera. And so I had to sort of stop and take a single picture. And so when you're saying that, I'm sort of, it's almost sounding like you're going to photo school again, you know, like, like you're and going I, now, you know? Yeah. And I think I have to, I think that I have to make myself, we live in this society when it comes to whatever, picture taking, internet, phones, where we're always going so fast and want this immediate gratification. Well, in this arena, we have the immediate gratification and not having to wait for a few days to get our analog photos back. So what the hell am I in a rush for? Right, right. And I have to ask myself that question. Why am I so worried if I can, within a second, see my result? Why don't I take 20 seconds to really think about exposure and how I'm going to use manual? And who cares if I mess up 30 of them? Right, right. And that's been a stopgap for me. You know, I'm fighting with my own head to, gosh, I should be able to get that shot right away. Why? I didn't go to photo school and I have the ability to practice. Mm -hmm. No one's judging me except me, you know? And so I think that's a mindset. I bet I'm not alone. I yeah. bet there's some listeners out there that have it too. I don't know. There's some listener out there going to say to both of us, well, why the heck do you need the Fuji cameras? Why didn't you do this with your Nikon cameras? And, you mm -hmm. know, I still have my Nikon gear because I have to use it for, for other sure. kinds of work. But. Sure. You know, why did we, or, and, you know, the question to you would also be like, why did you want to go for a Leica? I mean, this idea that we we want to get new gear, which we, you know, you just mentioned before gas. We have gas. Um, <laughs> we need uh, Pepto-Bismol for now. That's not, we need to. <laughs> yeah, less and less, though. I mean, I'm, it's, it's, it's such a thing that I think you have to work on. And I'm like, I'm finally at a place where I think I can control it, I think. Yeah. But so, you know, why switch? Forget, forgetting that you had to carry a lot of sure. stuff, right? Sure. You could have put one lens on your Nikon and right. walked around with that. Well, And this me, is a question I'm asking myself too. So. Sure. Uh, for me in taking street stuff, it was the, do you want to be that guy? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the smallest lens, I may have had a 50 millimeter 1.4 when I had the Nikon system. So that would have been the smallest lens. I went on a seminar with Eric Kim mm -hmm. and I took a, my D700 with a 50 millimeter and it was, I might as well have been the guy you saw the other day taking the picture with the iPad Pro. 
You know, <laughs> that's how I felt, right? I was sticking out like a sore thumb. Uh-huh. Uh, and to me, that was a big part of it because at least from what I had learned then, I think I'm changing my opinion now, but is that you really needed to be invisible mm-hmm. when you were in the street, mm-hmm. you know? And so how do I make myself invisible? Less gear, smaller gear. Uh, you know, I'm already huge as far as a big guy. So I, I needed a smaller platform in what I was <laughs> carrying, right? So how do I tone that down? And, and, and the you, other thing, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you want to you be more approachable too. More approachable because that still is a huge um, mm-hmm. area for me in street. I shy away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've shot, I think, in public, not non-public places, like an amusement park outside in the shops. Sure enough, 20 minutes in, I was stopped and questioned, mm-hmm. you know, and it was and like, ooh, this is not why I'm doing photography, right. yeah. you know, so I have to rethink all the time. I may be an exception, but it's just, it's just a whole process. So moving on from that, I'm like, well, with this particular camera, I should still be able to do the, the um, landscape photography, which I love to do, still love to do it. And I should be able to learn about portrait photography, which is an area I know nothing about, but I want to explore, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So those, it fit those models okay without having to have a ton of gear, a bigger tripod because I was going to need a bigger tripod, you know, two or three le- uh, flashes because what if I do – uh, flash photography, which I really never did. So it was just way too much of everything. How do I simplify my life? And to me, this system seemed to have the answer for now for me. It's a it, <laughs> the the joke in my mind is you know I'm I'm turning fifty years old and I'm buying my Mazda Miata in red because I'm having my midlife crisis and you know the idea of simplifying my car like that or simplifying my camera by by going to a single brand of camera and carrying around a single lens with me mm-hmm. um it's for me the timing is interesting because i'm like that's a really interesting point because i'm 55 and you know when i bought the leica i was 50 when i bought the mercedes the lc350 that ooh. i don't have anymore i was 50 and so for five years i definitely went through that midlife crisis thing and wanted the toys to say, look, I arrived. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that was definitely part of it. In the Leica, it was definitely part of it that I wanted to have the brand. I'm willing to admit it. Yeah. Well, um, totally. But it was. But then the opposite happened. I said, you know what? Now it's less. Now I drive a Ford Escape. <laughs> oh, wow. I still need to get everywhere I want to go, Antonio. I still arrive. You know, because you know what? I didn't pick up any chicks when I had the SL350 because <laughs> I was a married dude. You know what I mean? Okay. And so okay. it was like, what are your motivations? And yeah. so that's when I had to come to think about this. What are my motives now when I'm shooting pictures? Mm-hmm. And I'm finally at the place in my life, I think, where my motive isn't to impress you. It's right. to learn from me. Right. Yeah, I had that same thing about, like, I've all my life I wanted a rangefinder camera and I couldn't afford a Leica. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe if I had the money, I might've bought one, but I never did. And when the Fujis came along and they had that kind of styling, I can't deny that that was an appeal, you know, a physical look to it. I wanted to, I felt if I had that around my neck, I'd, I'd look more like a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and maybe the look is going to help my role as a photographer. And I'm noticing it's it is as I'm doing my street photography that I'm blending in the background. I I I'm grabbing shots from the hip, things that I would have never done with my with my larger cameras. One of the things I love about our Fuji camera is that we've got all these manual dials on the top of the camera. That reminds me of the old the old days when all you did was you had your shutter speeds and your ISO and your uh, or back then it was ASA settings mm-hmm. on the top of your camera and you had an aperture ring and just by feel you could know where you were by you know moving these dials around and you know i know the leica has it and then there's a bunch of other great mirrorless cameras that are out these days that have that and the fuji has that and right it's it's a tactical tactile you know expression of photography for me to be able to look even just reach down without looking and and dial this number and say oh, okay i'm going you know, two stops in this direction with my shutter speed. I'm going two stops in that direction with my, with my aperture. And, you know, I kind of know what's going on. So there's a look and feel to this, these cameras that for me, you know, having turned 50 and sort of going through another round of photography career, I mean, I'm doing all sorts of different things now. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, my photography career is, is really shifting. I'm starting to begin to become a photographer again, I feel. And, What's interesting, I just posted up <laughs> for the first time in a while, I just noticed on my Facebook profile, was was the camera sticking, uh, a, a reflection of myself. I took a picture of myself in a mirror, nice. and, the, and the camera is covering my face. And, and that's cool. Yeah, and I thought that's the first time I've done something like that in a while, that I've had a picture of me with a camera or like the camera's covering my face and people know who I am. So anyway, I think that's very telling of it, but uh you know, it, it is. And to, to me, one thing that the Leica did do was it was a great gateway drug to know what I did want in a camera. Mm-hmm. So w- when I chose the Fuji, it was you know the viewfinder. It was having those dials. Those were the things that I loved about the Leica. And then I looked at the picture quality and without doing pixel peeping, because I'm not that guy. We're done with those. Like, pixel yeah, peeping, yeah. Yeah, done. These pictures are wonderful. I yeah. saw what you were putting. I I saw what, um, again, Mr. LaRousse was doing, uh, Marco. And I thought, you know, that's the style that I want. Uh, for me, it's been a, a shift and continues to be probably from raw street photography like you're doing mm-hmm. to more, what can I do in the documentary photography in the people within places mm-hmm. so that I can kind of meld the landscape and street thing into my own voice. That's a work in progress. For mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait to see what you come up with in that direction. For sure. Yeah. Me, me neither. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and the purpose of it, I mean, I love what you've been doing. I'm not trying to blow smoke, but I follow your pictures and I see these running themes and, and you're prolific, much more prolific than I ever have time to be. A lot of it's where you live, you're in a very target-rich environment. Mm-hmm. But I see these themes that get refined, you know? And I'm like, oh, I really like where you're going here. And, oh, man, he's gotten there, you know? And so I love that. And, and for a guy like me, that's how I learn. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I like that. Let me see what I can take from that. Because I have the advantage of being able to follow you and learn from you, listen to your uh, show here, uh, so I take advantage of all those things in order to refine what I'm doing as a shooter. And I really, I'm enjoying the process more now than I'm enjoying the gear. 
um, and the discovery part of it mm, is, yeah. is a lot of fun. That's um, yeah. You're saying the discovery part, and I'm I'm realizing that as I'm photographing, the camera is helping me discover things that I didn't see before, and. This sounds kind of over-the-top, wishy-washy, you know, la-la. But the camera is, oh, so, uh, there's a quote. Who is it? Bernice Dorothea Lang, I think, says. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm tongue-tied, but it's oh, basically. the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I'll find it. It's basically something about the um, camera teaching you to see how things look photographed. I don't know. I'm, mm. I'm paraphrasing badly about this. But the photographs that I look at, I, I took some shots of uh, Tom before he split. Actually, no, I didn't. Sorry. I gave a mutual friend of Tom and mine my camera to take a picture of me and him on the last okay. day before he left. And the pictures were magnificent, right? Mm-hmm. And they were so full of life and energy. And I was like, I was like, geez, I wish I took those pictures. And I realized that the camera, in the way it presents its pictures, and I'm specifically talking about this our Fuji camera now. Sure. The way it presents the pictures is allowing a discovery of something in the subject matter that I don't think I would see in real life. Is that making sense or am I going kind of no, off I, I the th- deep I end? No, I think I'm following what you're saying. No. I you know, like when we use telephoto lenses, we see pictures you suddenly discover things that you didn't notice because you were shooting with a telephoto lens we don't see this way with our eyes true and so there's something about the way this camera sees that's that is actually a little bit different than our eyes and from that there is a discovery process i'm going through with these pictures so if i see your pictures with the uh fuji i've seen marco's pictures i've seen a lot of people's pictures even this person this friend who i gave the camera to to take pictures i'm discovering things in these pictures that i'm finding very attractive and it's sort of like a perpetual circle it's like it's driving me to shoot more and see more and and shoot more and want to know more about this camera and what they're doing and by the way audience neither Victor or myself are being paid by Fuji. At least no. no. Right? <laughs> not yet. No, I pay them. <laughs> I pay them. Yeah. So we're not we're not doing this for them. I think they've done something for us. And it could have been any manufacturer. It could have been Olympus, I think. It could have been Panasonic. Sony. It, yeah, it could have been Sony. It just happened to be Fuji in this case. Created something that is driving this discovery that is beyond the technical parts of it. It's beyond the megapixels, as Victor, you were saying, this pixel peeping, I'm done with that. Totally, yeah. You know? And also for me, because I've been shooting a lot of street stuff, and you know, a lot of the street stuff that you shoot, that a lot of us shoot, is in black and white. Mm-hmm. Well, to enhance that discovery for me, and I have found this recently to be true, is that I shoot RAW plus JPEG black and white, mm-hmm. And so I really like that because I'm taking the time to look at the color pictures. And what I'm finding is that the color pictures have a different type of discovery to them. Mm-hmm. If I take the time and I just, I don't just close my mind and say, Ooh, I'm doing streets so it must be black and white. <laughs> you know, I have to just stop that stuff, that yeah. side of my brain that wants to go there. Cause you know, I am not Cartier, <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. So, Look at your color picture, at least I do, and I go, hmm, 
look what the color is saying to me that's way beyond the composition and why not just use the color this time? Mm -hmm. So I like having that flexibility. And then of course, if I don't like the JPEG black and white, I can turn the color into right. black and white through processing. So it's like, and I know a lot of cameras can do that, but I've gotten so used to it with the Fuji system that it just comes natural to me just take two pictures, you know? Yeah. To go back to the actual way that it works, I also shoot JPEG and RAW. I love the JPEG quality that comes out of this camera. It's really good. It's it's. I, I used to be just only telling people to shoot raw, and if I was working with Nikon's, I'd probably say you know only shoot raw and then you know process in in Lightroom. I've moved away from a lot of processing in Lightroom. I do most of my processing on my iPhone or my iPad. I just transfer the pictures with um, the Wi-Fi built into the camera. But I love the way the JPEGs look in this camera. And one of the things I love is, I know that you, you were you were enjoying the optical viewfinder. I actually like the electronic viewfinder because- I it, like them both. Yeah. Well, I never thought I would like an electronic viewfinder. I mean, I really thought, well, I need to have optical viewfinder. But when I fired this thing up, it allowed me to see the way the, the, way the camera works is it sort of processes the picture in the viewfinder so you can see what you're going to get in your final file. And to me, that is so helpful. I used to I used to have such a hard time seeing in black and white um, when I shot with film. You know, I, I would because you know, the viewfinder was optical, so you would see life, and life was color. And then, you know, I would get my black and white film back, and they wouldn't always translate. So I find that cameras like this help me it help educate my eye. And you know, I've been in photography a long time, and I still have you know things that I've got to uh, to work on. So that's one of the things I love. I love being able to see the the processed picture already in my viewfinder it really helps me uh, pre-visualize what I'm going to shoot. Yeah, I like that because when I shoot manual and I'm trying to shoot more manual than ever because of shows like this, it does give me a better idea of, you know, what that stuff translates to in the viewfinder. It's not exactly, but it it's a lot better idea, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, the background and the shadows and, and being able to use exposure compensation instantly and say, mm -hmm. okay, that's what's going to happen to the silhouette here or, right. or whatever. And, and for a, a more of an enthusiast like me, it is really educational to, to put those two things together, what my eye sees and what my hands just did. So, so the camera is like a little photo school all wrapped up. <laughs> I, I think so. And, and again, yeah. Fuji is just a brand. Many cameras do this now. For me, it's, it, it's a good brand. I, I wanted to stick with it when I went to the, removable lens version, the X10T, because it had basically the same menu system. It has the same sensor, you know? And so it was like, okay, I'm going to get all the familiarity as I move to this, but then have some of the flexibility that I don't have with the single lens camera if I want to do super wide, although you can get adapters, or a really, you know, wide aperture mm -hmm. portrait lens. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just moved aside and the X10T has been a, a great enhancement for me to the X100T. Yeah. I, I've thought about getting those, but I'm going to keep my, my kit small for the for the time being. So we shall yeah. see. Yeah. yeah, it presents a different set of challenges for me. Probably wouldn't for you because you shoot with uh, the Nikons all the time and you, yeah. you know, you're a professional. But for me, it's, it is a different set of challenges. Yeah, and part of the... Uh, I'm going to have to wrap it up on this, but part of the uh, sure. simplicity of it is just really being forced. It's like having an iPhone, being forced to just shoot with one optic, you know, one set, and use your legs as, a, you know, the way you're zooming. You know, zoom in, move up, zoom out, move back physically. So 
Yeah, I, I think if there's anything else, and maybe we can talk about this some other time, either on the show or off the show, is my next evolutionary level is how do I get to that point where when I'm going to show my pictures, I become a better, more critical editor of myself. Uh, I, I find some trusted friends that will help me through that editing process mm-hmm. in a real meaningful way. And that could be, you know, giving it to me straight. And then what do I choose to publish or not? And who am I doing that for? Right. Because I'm still at that place where I'm still doing it for you instead of me. <laughs> and that's not cool. Yeah. And I know that, yeah. but I'm like, again, it's a journey and I'm willing to spill my guts here or on social media and say, you know, I'm trying to grow. But <laughs> a lot of us are self-deprecating and it's like, oh, do you like me? Do you like me? And I don't want to be that guy anymore. Oh, no. No, no more likes. No. Yeah. But I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there, I don't need the likes. No, we don't need the likes. But it's great to be able to share the work. That's the... Yes. That's yes. the excitement about it. Like, look at look at the journey that we're on and look uh, look at what we see and look at things, you know, the I always like to say the photographer's job is to tell everybody to point to things and say, look, this is what I see. So. Yeah, e- exactly. So I would say, you know, find some other photographer friends, use a service like the one that you have, you know, and get some critical, real critical uh, look at your work. So that you can grow, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. That's like my next phase, uh, and I'm, it, it's a slow process for me, but I'm, I'm trying to get there. Well, we got another, you know, fifty years to go. So, <laughs> I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, Victor, why don't you? Uh, I'm sorry, I have to wrap it up shortly because I've got to go pick up my wife. No worries. She's got a cast on her foot, so I got to go get her at the train. But anyway, <laughs> um, where can we find you in the world and the internet? And tell us about your new podcast quickly. Okay. I do a podcast called terratech.tech. That's T-E-R-R-A-T-E-C-H dot tech. That's the website. It's a technology podcast where I interview people from all fields. And then I, I say, what do you do in technology? So it could be cooking. It could be science. It could be physics, photography. That's the goal. So go and subscribe because you'll hear some real different things there from other people there. I'm also starting to do Mac-oriented help live streams in a place called blab.im. And I'm going to be there a couple of times a week, probably Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific and Tuesdays. And I'll do about an hour or two of like call in for help type Mac show live. Four people can get on at the same time. And I can help you with your Mac stuff. Awesome. Oh, cool. I'm going to have to listen to this. That's really cool. Well, hey, thanks for joining me. I would like to have you back on with Tom so we can grill you together about stuff. That'd be great. Thanks for the opportunity to, you know, kind of having a a more, a a less of a professional, more of a, your normal person out there and, and, you know, letting me talk a little bit about the process of growing as a photographer through people like you and shows like this. Thank you. Well, I'm really glad that you're listening and I'm really glad, really excited and happy that you uh, were uh, instrumental in helping me get started with this and in the, in the planning, the idea. So thank you, Victor so much. No worries. All right. 
anyway, you guys can find us, the Switch to Manual guys, at our website, the switchtomanual.com. And we have links there to our Flickr site. And we're on Facebook. We're Facebookers. So we're, we like that. So come and like us on Facebook. Or at least see what we post there. You don't have to like us. We're not there just to be liked. <laughs> um, if you scri- subscribe to us on iTunes, if you guys could leave us some comments and ratings that would be great uh i don't know it probably helps us somehow but uh do check us out there and we're on twitter at switch the number two manual so switch to manual and i guess that's it so uh victor thank you for coming on thanks to you and tom and uh if tom was here he would say adios so take care bye-bye